I was like, you know, this is this. Eh, it's just, it's a commercial. Like, uh, let me not gas myself up. Like, I'm not gonna move to LA now. Um, but like, they were kind of like uh, the cat. The crew members were like, you, you know, you should really think about doing this. Like, you're, you're good. Okay. They were like, you hitting your marks. I mic'd myself, and I didn't like. You know, I know what to do. You, I work in production, so I was just like, throw it, throw it down, put it in the back, out. It's it. And he was just like in awe, like the fact that I was like, you know, do I knew that they wanted the same thing because there's just little things that they're trying to tweak. It's not, it's not me. If it was me, they'd give me a note, okay? And like that, that was like enough for them to be like, no, you should, you should, um, you should come here. Zenya here. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're chatting all the things with Loris Ann Jones Randolph and her journey from her journey running from her destiny and it coming back around anyways. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Xenia to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. Loris is a diverse and unique performer. She's had years of classical voice training. Her four octave range is only paralleled by her ability to emote conflicting feelings on film. Whether a silent short or a national commercial, she is always ready. Loris is a lover of improv, creating musical sketches for Instagram and quick quips for TikTok. That same love of improv provides her with the opportunity to create improved graphically scored acapella songs for LA-based and globally recognized artist Emily Mast. In her off time, she's busy shooting, producing, and editing content for a variety of brands and companies, most notably her efforts on the Daytime Emmy Award-winning special for PBS's From Scratch show. Hi, Loris. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Hi. Yeah. So <laughs> I like to start every interview with how my guests and I have met. And we yeah. uh, met several weeks ago. We're in uh, a group together called The Artist Way, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on every single episode of this podcast. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. And like literally our first meeting, we were in one of the same breakout rooms together and we were talking, I don't even, I think you had ordered food. You were getting food delivery, right? And it was, it was yes. uh, mm -hmm. from this, <laughs> this French restaurant and, and you were shook that Tom had no idea what it was. <laughs> so shook. shook. And I, shook. oh my gosh, I was like, I need to connect with this person. I am obsessed with her sure. already. <laughs> I like to eat. Okay. It's one oh. thing. If you don't know good restaurants in, in Los Angeles, I'm going to give them to you. All right. That's, it's funny that that's uh, a component of how we met because it is a component of like how everything happened. It's <laughs> yeah. I love to eat too. Oh my gosh. All of the things. Food's, All the food's things, just amazing. Please. Food is amazing. I think you need food to live, you know, it's really necessary. So like, why not make it the best food you can? Seriously. Mm -hmm. All right, Loris, can we start with, just before you leave LA for the first time, just what was going on and, and why did you leave? So I left, wow. I left LA in 2009 to go to like, like the Bay area. Right. Cause I was going to college. I was like, well, uh, you know, I definitely should have like tried to, be an actor right out of the gate. Cause it's always been like what I'm supposed to do. Um, 
I was just, you know, afraid. I was afraid. I didn't see a lot of like dark skinned women on television as like romantic leads. So, you know, a, a lot was like, mm, well, maybe it's like not gonna happen. I'm, I'm from LA. So why waste my time then? <laughs> I yeah. said, well, I'll go make TV. I'll, I'll go that route. Um, so I left, I left California in full in 2012. Cause I was like, I'm going to apply to NYU. And if I don't get in, I'm not going. And then I got in and I was like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> gotta go now. <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I guess I'm going cool. Uh, <laughs> and that was awesome. Like I had the best time at NYU. Um, but I came out of school and still had no job. Cause you know, I'm going to school for something I love, but like, it's not, it's not supposed to be my job. Um, so I was working at my second love. I was working at a food, I was working at a, um, a Michelin rated uh, pizzeria called Amy squared. Shout out to Amy squared. They have Detroit style pizza in New York city. It's bomb. Hi. New York style pizza is the only style pizza that I actually enjoy. I, I'm going to need for you to have Detroit style pizza though. Okay. Cause like it's, it's a square pizza. It was little squares, but the pepperonis are the cup one. Oh, okay. All right. I'll do that for you. It's it's the only other pizza I would recommend. Chicago, that is not real pizza. Nope. That's lasagna. (laughs) I digress. (laughs) I I lived in Chicago for four years and I, no, uh -uh. Mm -mm. can't do that Mm -mm. pizza. It's not pizza. It's it's lasagna. It's a full... (laughs) It's a full entree. Like, I'm okay. No, thank you. Yeah. I want to be able to eat like four slices of pizza and still maybe want one. I don't want (laughs) one slice of pizza to fill me because it's actually a casserole. Like, it's not fair. (laughs) Yeah. And I want grease. Like, I need my pizza to have grease on it. Those people that wipe the grease off their pizza. Why did you order pizza, (laughs) man? We can't be. I don't. Who are you? What? Whose man's is this? Somebody come get them. Mm-mm. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, I was working in the pizzeria and um this uh this director for um our our we were gonna be like they were doing location scouting for Coke. And like they told me, I'm the manager, so they told me, Hey Laura's be on the lookout, Coca Cola's gonna swing Thursday. I'm like, all right, whatever, cool. Like, come give us money. And so I'm like Doing this whole like pizza. Hey guys, I'm trying to pizza, 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 pizza. And they were like, we ah, really want like real people in this commercial. Um, can you maybe please like audition for this commercial? And I was oh like, God. I mean, I'm at work. And they were like, Okay, well, what do you work? And I was like, I work <laughs> I was like, my off day is Thursday. And they were like, Okay, we'll see you Tuesday. And I was like, <laughs> okay we gonna see and sure sure enough they were there they were there and it was I was like all right cool whatever and then it didn't like hit me like that something was really up until I went to the callback and the I guess the coke lady came out and I still don't know who she is to this day but she came out and was like (laughs) she was like oh Laura Like, and she like had cat cokes in her hand oh my god and she was like do you want a coke are you thirsty i can get you some water and i was like yeah i am thirsty sure i'll take the coke i'm not stupid like yeah <laughs> right. yeah yeah get, sure thanks um and i was like there we were like talking in depth about our favorite pizza toppings and then you know a month later i'm finding some paperwork about being heartlead and i was like what is what is this stuff yeah, and they were it, like on set. I was like, you know, this is this. Eh, it's just, it's a commercial. Like, uh, let me not gas myself up. Like, I'm not gonna move to LA now. Um, but like, they were kind of like uh, the cat. The crew members were like, you, you know, you should really think about doing this. Like, you're mm. you're good. Okay, they were like, you hitting your marks. I mic'd myself and I didn't like, you know, I know what to do. You, yeah. I work in production. So I was just like, throw it down, put it in the back, bow, it's that. 
And he was just like in awe, like <laughs> the fact that I was like, you know, do I knew that they wanted the same thing because there's just little things that they're trying to tweak. It's not, it's not me. If it was me, they'd give me a note. Okay. And like that, that was like enough for them to be like, yo, you should, you should, um, you should come here. <laughs> so, I love yeah. that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's more to the question that you asked me, but you know. Yeah, that's fine. Literally, I my favorite podcasts are the ones that have the most random tangents. Me, when I had Tom on the podcast, that sure, we talk, we talk about, you know, art and being an actor and, and whatnot, but we also talked about Star Trek. We talked about bootlegging sand. We talked about just like getting honked at and the psychology behind getting honked. Like we went on some tangents. I like that. Okay, cool. I'm in a happy place because I'm a rambler, baby. Yes. Yeah, rambles are us. <laughs> so did that end up bringing you back to, like you went back to LA after that? Sort of, sort of. Yeah. So like I spent, I wasn't really like sold on it. You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm from LA and like I moved to New York because I was like, I'm not with that LA shit. Like I can't, I really, I really hate this place. Like <laughs> New York is really my vibe. It's really where my heart is. Um, so there's always been like that contention my whole life. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I kind of kept it at bay for a long time. I was like, hmm, let's see. I'm going to enjoy these residual checks while they come and we will see. <laughs> We will see what I want to do after that, maybe. <laughs> but I was talking to a lot of people in SAG, who are in SAG. You know, I went to, I audited some classes at the actor studio. Um, and then it wasn't until my cousin got her, she was director of television at a PBS station in uh, San Bernardino. So she called me and she was like, I need you for the socials. And I said, oh, okay then. So, you know, I had this job lined up now. I was like, okay, well. Now that it's something more than just acting, I can let myself go to LA. Mm -hmm. And then I did. And then it was like, I think I waited maybe four months until I joined any uh, classes or anything like that or, or casting sites. And um, it took, I think I started started up casting sites and maybe like, july and by november the union was like you need to pay us now like it's time sis you've yeah. enjoyed the little work you've had as eligible okay <laughs> give me them dues okay, yeah okay. how does that work because i'm not an actor so i don't it is really okay it's so weird our union is so weird um there are like several different ways of getting into the union. There are three ways. Uh, you can get Tad Hartley, like I did, but it's very rare. Apparently, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was very common because they. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> you can get Tad Hartley. You can have vouchers, or you could, and you can like be in another union and then like get a voucher. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> You know, there yeah. are there are a lot more non-union people than union people, so it it can't it's hard and easy at the same time. I don't. Yeah, it's just if it happens, it happens. It's really like, you know, I, and it's interesting because like our union just added influencers, right, to become to join mm -hmm. the union, and I I wholeheartedly disagree with that um and I'm like low-key a food influencer like Michelin <laughs> restaurants are in my DMs right now what's up um and it's just like I that that's not work like mm. that's not work at all in the same way it's work and like I'm I am like just because I'm just beginning into the the union like I'm a fully I'm like a unionist and I'm very political like i socialist you know they're very much Bernie Sanders left um so like the idea of like what a union is and how it works and what it does is very strong for me hmm. so I was like you know I'm gonna go from the ground up like I work background and I very much enjoy it 
And that's like way more taxing than me going out to a restaurant, eating, acting as my, I'm not acting. I'm being myself. I'm yeah. not even like, I'm enjoying my I'm things people are giving me for free. Like, how is that? How are you acting? How, mm-hmm. how are you a screen actor? Like you don't even like, even though like anchors don't pretend to be someone else, they do definitely have a persona. They have like, they have a rigorous set of skills. Like reading a teleprompter is not easy. Mm. You have to read something rolling across the screen. It's your eyes want to do this and you cannot do that because it looks weird. Yeah. You have to be reading as it's going up without reading across like that. You've got to know, like you have a script, you have to know how to segue. Like there are, there are skills. Mm-hmm. What skill does it like? I, I, taking a the, Instagram is not a skill <laughs> like that. It is, but it's not a skill like that. Like, mm-hmm. okay. It's not, it's not, it's not, it hurts my feelings. Yeah, the life of an influencer is is interesting. I don't I don't like follow any, so I don't really know a lot about it. Girl, okay, so I I remember when I was like influencing before, like influencing was influencing. Um, like at the at the like before it was a dirty word, right? Mm. Okay, so I uh, I like to network, so like it's that same idea, and it's like precipice fans like it's like a baby it's like oh I'm excited like learn all these things but like when you get into like what it has become and like how Instagram it's all fake mm-hmm. there's this um there's actually is it that doc- that new documentary uh fake famous so true like Instagram is constantly pushing for me to sponsor posts um yeah to like get, buy ad space uh, instead of using the algorithm to push out my content, it is constantly trying to get me to, um, it, it allows, it allows for so much spam to, I get, the spam isn't even like good spam. It's not like people, like, it's not like, you know, Tracy Edwards, uh, Sally, Sally Bomb, um, um, Bilbo Baggins. It's not like that. It's like it's like Gina one, Gina two, Gina three, Gina four, Gina five, Gina six, Gina seven, Gina eight, and they all have similar photos, mm-hmm. and they all have this one account in their bio, and no pictures and no photos, and following nobody. And it's like Instagram is like allowing for the verification on the verification side. Like all these bots look legitimate. Mm. Mm. it's so frustrating because you want to be able to I, I it that it saddens me right because you know I know from like studying this stuff in school like my master's is in media culture and communications mm. so I'm just like thinking about this not only like how terrible it is for me personally, but in like a macro sense, like, fuck, what is this doing to our society as a whole? Where like, we have this concept that like fame is something that gets you things for free. Fame is something that, you know, you need to be, to, to be important, to be somebody. And it's like, that's not, that's not, and has never been like the kind of fame that I thought SAG after was about. So for mm-hmm. them to accept influencers into the union, it's like, wait, what are we saying about like what what is this like? We are paying people millions of dollars per film, per episode. Yeah. What what at what point do we say like enough is enough? Mm-hmm. We yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The whole like idea of, of celebrity and, and fame, like it's it's really taken a turn. It's really like 
glowing up in a way where like you know we already know that teenagers are more susceptible now to you know uh, to depression to anxiety to body dysmorphia low self-esteem you know because they're they are not seeing enough images of themselves enough images of themselves in positive reinforcement with reinforcing light and you know now high school is the globe you know Mm -hmm. like i i didn't realize until i started really watching these shows like generation and euphoria like I, I I can't even begin to imagine how difficult it is for Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Like I'm my bad. I am so sorry that I didn't take y'all's plight as seriously as I should have. Cause what? No, for real. Like I didn't think. Like for me, I, I in my early adulthood, like I know how the how the world state affects me, and I'm like, damn, that's a lot to not really have the tools to deal with that. And, like, to, like, I remember when I was 15, 16, like, you're just charged up. Like, everything is, like, so much more magnified. And to deal with, you know, everything externally and this global mindset of, like, conflict and and, and tension, like, to also, like, try to become who you want to be in that, like, holy crap. And, like people are arguing about whether or not you can have someone that looks like you on TV. Like you got to live yeah. through that right now in your face. Wow. Like, yeah, God. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's, it's also like the pressure. I've felt this of you have to have your life figured out when you finish college. And I'm like, I'm, I don't, I know. <laughs> No I have idea. No idea, right? I have no clue. Yeah. Like I got a I, I graduated with my master's at 24. Okay. I was 24 years old and I was still probably like a year. I still like took off a year. So I was still like I would have been 23 had I really, really, really gone straight through. Like, excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. What in what world is that okay? Like what what do you know about the world? What do I like? I really really had to realize like I'm 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 31 and I still know nothing about life. <laughs> Literally, <right? laughs> okay, life is long. <laughs> no, and it's yeah, and it's it's like the the just the age pressure. I feel like it's it's getting yeah. younger and younger, younger and younger, and you get it's like you are you you're supposed to have your life all together younger and younger and you're getting less and less response like you're you're given like not less responsibility but like less access to being fully assertive in what you Mm. need and what you want does that make sense like you these 15 year olds have to like be able to (laughs) say I want to go to this college and yet there's not enough information for them to know how much that college costs. There's not really information on how they can afford that. Like, but just know that you want to go there, know what you want to do. You better have the grades to get it. Like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. It's all about the test. It's all about the test. And it's just like, I remember I saw another documentary on HBO. um, That was about the segregation in New York City's public schools. Well, not not just New York City public schools, but just New York City in general. And it highlighted um, a section of the village, the East Village, where there's a school. It's like the most influential school in the country. It's like $42,000 a year, and it's K through 12. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's a college tuition for high school. Yeah. And the 16-year-old talks about how hard he feels and how much pressure he puts on himself to achieve and succeed because he feels like he has to. And before they wrapped the film, he took his own life. Oh my God. Yeah. Like at at NYU, they have in the library in Bogues, in 2012, when I came to school, they had just finished construction of 
it's like a it's like a it's a gate it's a gate and it's golden and gilded and beautiful and it 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 was put there because there were too many suicides of people jumping from their desk in the library because we are preparing our children for society we are not we are not as a country we're just not doing it yeah 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 no that's oh my god that's heartbreaking it's rough it's like how are you both like they are the future and they're being treated as if they're a burden like Mm. we're doing nothing to to make sure that like life is better for the people that come after us Oh, we're really focused on like me right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, and then I feel like, I don't know. I don't remember where I heard this or if I just like made it up, but I feel like I heard somewhere that like each generation is kind of like, well, I don't have to deal with these problems because it's the next generation's problem to deal with when I die. You know, like it's like that mentality. It's so dumb. Yeah. Like those, those, that generation is your kids. Right. <laughs> like, I hope you enjoy living in a box because if you're, if you're, if you don't care, okay, if we can't afford right now to save money, then we're only setting it up so that our kids can't even afford to have money. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to get worse if we don't do something. Also, like, my favorite thing is like, I will totally, I would totally love to pay more taxes if it meant that like schools get better because I hope, I hope that I can pay for some uber smart Albert Einstein so I can have a flying car so I can, I can, ha- I can be able to scan my body and say, Ooh, I'm going to be six soon. Let me go to the doctor. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, it's like the mishandling of money in the government. I like if if money if our tax dollars actually went to things that were useful, I would have no problem paying higher taxes. But there's Girl. so much corruption, there's so much mishandling. Um yeah. Mishandling. I feel like the biggest mishandling of our tax dollars is the ratio that we spend on defense. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's it's hefty I think it's like it's like more than half it's more than half of our budget I'm gonna look it up I want to I want to look it up for sure because I know <laughs> listen how how much of U.S. budget is defense. This is what I'm typing into Google, y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's 15%. Oh! Six. Wow. $686 billion on national defense in 2019. Wow. 15% of the federal budget. Damn. Wow. I just. <sighs> so France spends less. Everyone else spends less than 3%. <laughs> yeah. We could learn a few things. We could, we could learn a few things. You know who, what, uh, I think it was um, Denmark there they started teaching empathy classes in schools in like elementary oh schools God. and i was like yeah can we please like you know what's up denmark <laughs> let's follow yes, their denmark. lead mm-hmm. but you know mm, <sighs> america's just not ready to talk about racism they're, they're <sighs> just not ready to like give they don't want okay they don't want to give up the money right because if we're really serious about reparations, that shit's gonna come from the Koch brothers, from the people that own Coca-Cola, from the people that own cotton, from the people that own Pepsi. <laughs> it's gonna come yeah. from very few people, okay? Yeah. 
very few families will really feel the effects of reparations. And yeah. it's like a trillion, it's like a trillion dollar number. All right. Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's, there's like an attachment to this like power source and it's all fictitious. Yeah. But we don't want to talk about it because these motherfuckers that would be paying the shit back are like, they're just geniuses in terms of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Fucking geniuses. Yeah. I want it to happen so bad. So yeah. bad. Yeah. Because then it's, it's like, you know, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's so stupid because it's like, 10 people you know like that the number is so small for her like how much of like money they control yeah and then and and the influence that money has just affects everybody and it's like re- like really girl it's like it's the one thing that is like How do you, how, how do you like, how do you not see it? You know, like, yeah, that's what I, I'm just, I just always wonder like, why, why is it this hard to like show somebody the the truth? Like, just, just look at it. If you don't believe me, just, just follow, follow the money then. Yeah. Where does it take you? Yeah. There are records. There are very many records. <laughs> yeah. You're watching, listen, you're watching, there are some TV shows on TV right now that'll tell you a bit of history about some things that yeah. should maybe be paid back. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I'd be wrong. Just, just, just destroy <laughs> whole towns or, you know. Ugh, I know. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, but see? Okay. Have you seen uh, American Skin yet? No. <gasps> oh, girl! Loris is dead. <laughs> I am dead. D-E-D dead. Okay, wait. So American Skin is a new movie by Nate uh, uh, Nate Turner. Nate, no. Nope. What's his name? He did the Nate Turner movie, though. Um, Nate Parker. There it is. Hi. Sorry. Um, Nate Parker movie. Uh, CSA, A24 films. <sighs> and um, it's about a, a man, a dad, whose son is shot by a police officer at not a routine. He, they were, he was being, they were being profiled. Mm. He was stopped and killed. And it's a year later. And, um, damn, Whew. this dad, I'm, I'm gonna ruin the movie y'all. Cause it's very important. I hope you watch it still. Cause it's important, but I'm gonna ruin it a little bit. That's okay. Um, the dad goes off and he holds hostage the police station that was responsible. Yeah. Um, and in it, it has, it, there is a lot of conversation about these issues and, you know, the last scene is like perfectly poetic. Mm-hmm. So it is very, it's very much like, and if we don't, if we don't solve this issue soon, quite soon we aren't going to make it as the united states of america much longer like january 6 2001 2021 sorry i already know you you know what i was talking about the moment i said january 6 guys yep yep okay yeah you already know yeah i know i know i know it's 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 so like I I want to have hope so badly and it's so hard. It's so hard. Like we are it's hard because 
you get you cannot it's hard because we go back to these 10 people who really don't want to pay reparations right mm-hmm. and it's not just they don't want to pay it's that the current they have mind control over america because there is a sense of power that's attached to racism, right? Someone gets power from, they're pulling power from a source. Right. Okay. So when you have that and you may not actually have power in real life, you don't want to give it up. Yeah. It's, there's this, there's also like this other side of it where It, it, there's like a, oh my God, Lisa Delpit is like a sociologist and she talks about Lisa Delpit and there's another woman and they talk about like, it wasn't Lisa Delpit that said this is another woman. Oh my God, I forget her name. I have to look it up. But she was, she's a, she's another sociologist and she said that as a white woman, when she writes the word nigger, she like feels a taboo like sense of pleasure hmm. because it's that power sense like it's old yeah. and you have like it's super it can be very connected to old things but we also have to know like you know you have the power to be like okay no like I can talk I can like I can read this word and instead of getting that pleasure like realize that like where that pleasure sense is coming from and coming from like a place of like you know ah not necessarily a place of like power in yourself but that like society would treat you better you know um there is a the brown eye experiment that Ellen Elliott, there it is, Dr. Elliott does, where she just goes around the room and separates brown-eyed people from blue-eyed people. Mm-hmm. And brown-eyed people are smarter, they're prettier, they're happier, they're better, all around. And you know it's not true. Yeah. The people who do this exercise know it's not true. And every time she does it, blue-eyed people get pissed off, they get upset. They're like, why? And brown-eyed people are like, oh, well, I deserve to be treated better. I deserve, it's like a human nature to accept that power and to hold on to it for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. So not only is there like, you need to like denounce that part, but also like understand that if you can get past that, the next thing you got to get past is like the guilt and feeling like all of these like atrocities are my fault. Or some, or someone feels that they are my fault, or I, I personally need to atone for these things. No. Mm-hmm. But as a society, from a societal perspective, you know, you're given. You might be given an upper hand based on how you look. You might be given an upper hand based on if you're a man or a woman, and it has nothing to do with what you, as an individual, can do. Just your place in the societal structure Mm, and you know like there's so often where you know we don't want to talk about race because it's like it it's so charged and I often like I will often call my white friends out for being great allies because they deserve that like hey you've got a great job help like when they never know that's gonna happen like yes because it's not it, it, it is it's built to make it seem like we're against each other you know and like that those 10 people will continue to be like well like they did in 1640 when they went to sharecroppers and were like hey don't go with these free black people be yourself be white and we'll just give you better we'll treat you better because you're white like it's that it's that little thing there that just keeps you like 
that keeps the conversation from being had, you know, because it's either I like things the way they are and I don't want them to change, or I'm too afraid to address what, to address things in me internally that mm-hmm. may not, that may not even ever come to light outside of my own head. Yeah. But someone may feel like I did them wrong or I deserve to be punished or I'm going to be called a racist and, you know. It's a fear. It's a fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's, it's tough. Fear is, fear is, it's because it's real. Mm-hmm. It's, and it can be fear very, very real. I don't know. What's my fear response is freeze. Do you, have, do you know mm-hmm. your fear response? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> normally my fear response is to fight mm. mm-hmm. yeah it's like first I it was, it, and I didn't realize that until I got into a car accident where like I, I totaled the car and like the car was smoking and I was like oh my god this car is gonna blow up I have to get out of this car mm. and it was just like immediately my brain was like making moves I like, I like pull myself out of the seat. Like I didn't even unbuckle it. I was just like, go, 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 go. Like we have to do this right now. It's like, it's not get out, run. It's like very thoughtful. It's very like, fuck it, bitch, let's go. So I don't, I don't like my fear response. (laughs) My fear response makes me feel like (laughs) I can go to war and be chill. (laughs) No, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, I, I, I hear you and I'm like, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could flight because I freeze and I'm stuck there. And I've had so many, so many traumas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just there. And then I blame Mm -hmm. myself. I'm like, why didn't I get out? Mm -hmm. Why did I let Mm -hmm. that happen to me? And you're you're not like, oh, wow. Yeah. You're not letting it happen to you at all. Like, damn. Yeah. That you, mm, maybe there's a way to like, and the fear for you to like do something in real life that will like pinch maybe pinching yourself might work or so I don't know I don't know how how scared how scared are you yeah I mean it depends on the situation yeah. but yeah yeah like pre-planning you, know, you girl mm. you just I don't know if it's something I do because like I am a black woman and I always enter a space and I'm like, scan, survey, quick, mm. where's your out? Yep. Y- you know, you know, okay, okay, you I, do yeah. that. Okay, so maybe it's a woman it, thing. It might be a woman hey, thing. Praise <laughs> God. Yeah. Okay. So, you know how we scan, survey, all that stuff, like that same instinct, like, yep. okay, if there's, if, if, if somebody try me today, this is what we, this is what we're going to do. And like, maybe going into it with that will like allow you to like, even if it's like a millisecond of like that, that like part coming back and be like, did now the time, like press yeah. the now or, or forever, yeah. like hold your breath, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's, Ooh. that's, that's good advice. <laughs> um, I want to be mindful of time. Cause I do have to run at four. Oh, um, yeah, we have that thing. We have that thing. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have that thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know how we met, we have that thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but I would, I, I do want to chat about, um, the struggle of having to deal with all of this basically by ourselves. Oh my God. Because that's so oh real. And I'm, we're 100% probably going to have to bring you on for part two. <laughs> so this, yeah, this, this is a part two for sure. Okay. Um, so what she's talking about is I don't have a relationship with my parents, like at all, like, at all okay y'all like they don't come me for my birthday I don't like mm, we go to the same church so I don't see her like uh, my mom we live 15 minutes apart I don't see her ever and I like it that way um but it doesn't mean that it's not difficult as fuck like oh shit there are so many times where I'm like I just like I just want to like I wish I had like that uh, the moms I see on tv I'm just like damn I wish I wish my mom was like that and yep. to like have like highs and lows and not really be able to share them is really difficult. Um, 
I think the the part that gives me the most solace is like knowing that I will be able to like sh- share that for other people. Like I'll I'll be able to like you know make something and have them feel like oh shit, cool. I feel connected. Mm-hmm. But not being able to do that right now is like fuck. Horrible. Literally, <laughs> literally. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh, real bad. Do you real ever bad. just like have those moments where you're just like, I really just wish I could have a hug from a mother? Man, at all, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And then I'll I'll absolutely. go and like try and hug myself, and I'm like, it's not the same. It's not the same. Was <laughs> I had to get. I had to like tell uh, a group of like church people like, Hey y'all, I really like, I think y'all need to really understand when I say I need somebody to check in on me. I'm dead ass serious. Like, mm-hmm. please. Cause I can't, I will, I, I'm also a sufferer of major depressive disorder. So like, please don't leave me alone for too long. Okay. Yeah. Just call me. Fucking call me. Yep. I don't want to be the strong friend all the time. Okay. Call me. Literally, Please. oh my god! Literally, me. the strongest strong people. Friends. Yeah, the strongest people need the most check-ins. The most check-ins. Okay, we're taking yeah. all your shit too. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have like a lady group at church, and like I will, I will call that lady group. I will just pop up in one of the houses and just like crying, like I just need a hug. And they'll just stand there and hug me and hold me and rock me. I'll be like, okay, thank you, and leave. That yeah, community like that is essential. Super essential. Yeah, and you know if you can't find that community in real life, I like listen. I have an online community when those ladies aren't available, and it's the sisterhood of narcissistic mothers and and grandmothers. That Facebook group is amazing. You guys, come to me if you need to. And um, you know, like those. I don't know those women and they're my sisters because they go through the same thing I go through. And so I, I talk to them. Like I would talk to my, if I had a sister, like I would talk to her. I talk to them. Like I want to talk, like I want somebody to talk to me encouraging and loving and without shame or judgment because you know, when you don't have someone or you've lost someone talking to you too, um, that hole is like it, it you feel like it can't be filled by anything else and for a portion of that hole you're right it can't be filled by anything else that person you'll always want that person however like learning how to mitigate the feeling of like unworthiness or like those negative feelings that come from that with you know giving yourself more self-care days Mm. girl take take that extra bath day you don't want to wash the dishes girl don't wash the dishes girl you relax okay if your life has been hella hard be less hard on yourself Mm because we're our biggest critics and we've been through a lot okay it's okay to be soft every once in a while and just like let it let it let it shug off you for a moment don't hold on to it so long yeah yeah all right let's jump to final five speed round speed round what's been your favorite experience on set oh gosh um my favorite experience on set oh um probably (laughs) i don't know if it was singing karaoke on the L word and like actually get to sing karaoke and like dancing with us with friends on set, uh, during COVID or uh, being told by Christopher Nolan, don't worry, you'll get your line. <laughs> oh my God. What's yeah, been your, cool. what's been your favorite work to create? Definitely, uh, singing, uh, with Emily Mass. It's basically, um, we sing in Morse code. So we like lit- that exactly that face. Yes, girl. We are taking the Morse like and making that line not only like a beat like but also singing notes on top of it. And it'd be harmonized. 
Oh my God. Yeah. That sounds, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, what advice do you have for someone afraid to step into their own light? Listen, baby, can't nobody shine like you. Nobody. Not a single soul. You better go ahead on and take that shine, sis, or sir, or they, whatever, whatever your pronoun is, okay? Somebody needs you to step into that light. So don't be selfish. Who's someone you've looked up to when you needed a role model? Um, Selma Miller. She is my godmother. She passed away. Also, Loris Jones. She is my grandmother. She passed away. But these are women who are like, they were executives in the 50s and 60s when they should not have been. And they made a way out of no way. They were, you know, artists in their own right. They lived life to the fullest and always had a smile and a laugh on their face and gave a shoulder to cry on. What's the best and worst advice you've received? Best advice, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, my, aunt, my great aunt says that all the time. Uh, worst advice I've been given is um, hmm. worst advice I've been given. Listen to me. Don't listen to nobody else. Okay, listen to your goddamn self. Listen to your gut. Okay, yeah. that intuition is real. Yeah, yeah, it one hundred percent is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for chatting. Oh, this was amazing. I'm one hundred percent bringing you back for for part two we'll talk about parents later guys uh family check out loris on instagram by go and through her website lorisann.com all the links are in the episode description see you later yeah Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if 